Hey everybody, quick note about this episode. We had a little bit of an audio issue where my side of the conversation, that file got corrupted and I had to re-record my questions. But Scott Brown's responses were so good that I didn't want to not share what he had to say. So if this episode sounds a little bit weird, I hope you'll bear with me and just listen to what Scott had to say and we'll try and get this to never happen again. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Payer Revolution Podcast, where it's my job to help equip the CEOs, CFOs, and owners of U.S. companies to take control of their employee medical benefits and reform the entire healthcare system as a side effect. I'm Quinn Peterson, and I'm excited about my guest this week, Scott Brown. You know, some episodes of the podcast are aimed to equip business leaders with a different mindset about employee medical benefits. And some episodes are about providing you with tools. Scott Brown is in a position to do both. As the CEO of Sterling Medical, a healthcare, well, everything, uh, Scott has had the opportunity to create amazing tools for employers that cover everything from primary care to insurance to now on-site COVID vaccination clinics. He's also spent a career thinking deeply about how to provide healthcare, and he's come up with some really interesting answers. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, Sterling Medical, I said it was a healthcare everything, and that's really just because I can't really figure out how to easily categorize what it is. You've, you've got a provider service, you've got concierge service, case management, you are a provider of insurance, you uh, do urgent care, you're an employer cooperative. How do you describe Sterling Medical and what would you describe as your role? Well, um, so Sterling, you know, of course, the core functionality that most people could relate to is the fact that it's an urgent care. And urgent cares have become kind of the new delivery model moving forward in the country. And here's the reason why is one, it's, you know, it's my personal belief and experience that women make all healthcare decisions. And they shop different than men. And for them, and today's customer, is no longer content to be scheduled for an hour or to come in two days later. And they want to go to one place and stop. And so it's kind of replaced the family practitioner in the fact that when you go there, oftentimes you get referred out for labs because they don't have them or they don't have x-rays or they don't have medications. They don't have case managers. They don't do work comp. Whereas an urgent care is kind of an emergency room without the emergency. And they handle, like we've said, 96% of most of the claims that come through the healthcare system in a year. And so uh, Sterling, what we wanted to do is we took all the, the touch points that cause pain and grief for the, the person that's experiencing the system. And unfortunately in our country, you know, we've made hospitals and we made medical systems that people were content to wait three to four hours to be seen, like their time was not valuable, to we've built it, you come mentality, you come and navigate our system even though it's clunky, it's not consumer friendly, where every other industry has evolved. And healthcare needs to make that evolution. And I think today's consumer is requiring it because now when they come in, you know, they're instantly on social media rating you. Uh, so you have to perform. It's a concierge service to take care of somebody's health and to have the privilege to do that. So with Sterling, we have our own medical staff and they are part of our secret sauce. If you don't have the right providers, you're not going to have patients. And they got to understand 
what your consumer is trying to do and and why we focused ours around women as well as businesses is businesses in the United States are are paying for most of the healthcare premiums. And so they've really never been involved in the game and picking who their providers were or having an input in it. They've also had to navigate the black hole. And so we wanted to tie that together and bring the employers in and have them be involved, help them interview some of the providers or be a participant with. We wanted to make time off work easier for them. We wanted to make that whole system work. So that's that's the core basis of Sterling, of what we are. Um, you know, I, my evolution in healthcare has been from working in the hospital to running hospitals to developing them from the ground up to doing turnarounds of medical practices. So we've had a, a career full of seeing all the things that don't work in healthcare and with a little modification can work. So what I'm hearing is you've identified urgent care as the gateway into all of the other touch points that you want to make. Uh, and all of the other changes you want to make into the healthcare system. Yeah, so, um, you know, the things that we've combined is in the urgent care, there's a lot of urgent cares that most don't dispense medications. We do. They don't have case managers. We do, because we want, when somebody needs to be scheduled for services outside, that somebody's able to walk and hand it, uh, carry them to places like Epic or other places to save cost and direct contract with them to help drive down and mitigate the problems that employees have with this. Because, you know, when you walk out of a doctor's office and says, well, I need to go get an MRI, well, where do you want me to go? You know, instead, we'll take that and say, you know what, you need an MRI? Look, I've got an appointment. You can go here or here, which is more convenient. They can see you this day or this day. And based on your deductible and based off your out-of-pocket and where you're at, here's what the cost is going to be, and I can call and schedule that right now. Well, for a patient, that changes the entire uh, system and experience that they have with you. So that they don't have to navigate the healthcare system themselves. Right. Now, you said earlier that women make the majority of the healthcare decisions. And I've certainly seen that in my household. At the minimum, my wife is asking, did you make an appointment with the doctor? And she's the one who's been arranging for the kids' healthcare and, and other things. She has a real interest and a real drive on this. So this is a key insight. How has that played into the way you interact with employers? Well, you know, one of the interesting things is we, we have a membership program, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But the key insight is when you go in there, most of the employees, you know, in, in a lot of the workplaces that we're at are mostly men. And they're like, yeah, so what? And we didn't have any participation until we decided when we'd send Sammy out that would do the rollouts. They would sit there with all the employees and they're like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Now we do the rollouts with the spouses. Oh, really? So when they come in and they find out what kind of a benefit this is, all of a sudden, because they make all the appointments for their kids, they make all the appointments for their husbands, and they will shop on experience to how other women, and so the clinic's got to look like it. And, and so that's when we got maximum exposure, is all of a sudden we were orienting the wrong people. We weren't using the people that made all the decisions and that we're utilizing it and had to navigate it. 
You know, that is such an interesting approach, and I haven't heard of that before. It's so remarkable. I want to pause and emphasize it for the listeners. Traditionally, when we have our open enrollments, when we have our benefits meetings, there is one person from a family in that room, and that person may not be the one who's making the decisions about how healthcare is used. And by bringing in the spouse, you're getting both parties in the room the actual decision maker is getting the actual information about the benefits. Absolutely. I mean, for example, I think one of the biggest problems in our country is that you have an agent that comes and sells insurance. They talk to the HR director, and the HR director uh, is always swamped with all the personnel issues. And so they have a quaint little handout that they give the employee and say, here's a summary of your benefits. Mm -hmm. And then it gets passed on, and most of the time it doesn't. Um, and, and so the people that are using it don't know what benefits they actually have. And we found that even with our own memberships, that you have a lot of them that are buying memberships. The thing that we didn't recognize is their turnover rates. For example, in, in a, uh, you know, we have a company here, and I was sitting there looking at it, and they had 200 employees that they had enrolled in memberships. But yet when we were looking at their claims history with their insurance rep, they had 1,200, and I says, now, how does that be? Well, that means that their company had turned over four times in one year, and it's like... This is employee, employee turnover. Yeah. So from that standpoint, the indicator is Sammy needed to do orientation every four months mm -hmm. or three months because that staff was constantly revolving, and they were not getting an update until renewal time from the HR department. And Scott, thank you for this. I'm going to take just a second, if you don't mind, and talk directly to the listeners. You've all been in an open enrollment meeting and information was presented about the retirement benefit and the medical benefit and the supplemental life insurance benefit and the PTO benefit and all of the other benefits were all piled into this one meeting. You should be looking for partners, providers, whether that's insurance companies, brokers, agents, who are willing to come in multiple times during the year as needed to teach your employees how to use their benefits, how to appreciate their benefits, and how to be intelligent about them. Otherwise, they, they really lose a lot of value. Yeah, it, it, ab absolutely. And, and this is probably the criticism that I guess if we get to the point about these types of services is that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to see my agent once a year, two weeks before renewal with this cram session to get stuff in and they didn't even bring donuts. And, uh, and, and you know, you sit down and you, you rush this through and so I've got a timeline. The, the unfortunate thing is the agent is not being, um, their incentives are counterintuitive to me as a company. So they're not going to design a lot of plans for me that lower their premiums. So one, I'm never going to get the best deal and we don't get a lot of questions asked. Number two is the CEO has put an awful lot of trust and faith in their HR departments that develop a relationship with the agent. And so they go through and each year they come out and they say, you know what, boy, you're really lucky. It's only going to be a 15% increase this year. And the HR director is now in a rock and a hard spot because they're going, gosh, if we do any plan change, all the employees are going to be ringing my bell, wanting to know what's going on, and they're going to be upset and frustrated. Let's just renew and kick this can down the road. One of the things I want to talk about is your model, which is employer-owned. Sterling is an employer-owned uh, health system. What does that mean, and why is it an important feature of your model? Well, the reason it became important is because 
these employers were out shopping a benefit and depending on the agent and how well they did a job, my entire pay class as a company could have changed just by the rep and the premium that was in there. And it's like, man, I can't control any of this. And I just have to re uh, budget on historical data and hopefully everything's the same way. I think that's the same in small companies. So what we did is we went out there, the hospitals, they have this fixed overhead their prices are fixed. They, they have this. You have the insurance company that tries to connect doctors and you shop for a plan to have people in network. And then it's based on premium. So I went out and just thought, you know what, we're going to introduce the employer as the new competitor in healthcare, And we let them have ownership in our company. They can sign up and they can use memberships. I don't, I don't charge them. I don't give them a contract. I don't require them to sign anything. They can sign up for memberships. It's not insurance. It's a, it's a membership, so it misses a lot of the qualification things with Obamacare. It does, it's not a qualified health plan. But when I look at it from an employer, what's my biggest challenge is retaining employees. What are employees shopping for today? They're shopping for benefits. Yet I go and I sign up a plan for them that charges them $1,200 to $2,000 a month and then I determine how much of that I'm gonna pay on their behalf, and then the rest is on them. And to keep the premium down, I have to raise their deductible. Well, the thing is, so I'm paying $1,200 a month to never use my insurance because I don't have $5,000 to go get an MRI. And I'm gonna just put off, and I'm just gonna call in sick, which increases time off work for people. And, and so that becomes problematic for the employer. And so this membership thing is, all right, well, if I can get 96% of my care taken care of and it costs me $50 a month for an employee and they can go in 300 times in one month and not a single claim hits the insurance that comes back in a higher premium the next year, I kind of gave them a nice bridge and it's a benefit that they normally would never have had and they find that that has more value to it than having the actual catastrophic plan. And so they retain and they can offer it to whoever they want. Now, I heard you say once in an interview that you've been doing this since 2013 and you've never had an employer drop coverage after they've started with you. Is, is, is that For all intensive purposes, yeah, unless they've, they've had some financial stress within their company. But as far as we're going to leave you because of poor care or quality of care or those types of things, we haven't. Um, you know, right now we were so confident in our abilities we offered our own stimulus package. So right now, any company can come in here and they can sign up for three months for free health care at any of our facilities at no cost with no contract and Sammy will come and do all the orientation. And that gives them three months of a break that we're confident in our ability to perform and have a good uh, return that, okay, proof is in the pudding. Wow, wow. Uh, that's a remarkable offer. Let me restate this. You're giving employers three months free of your service, which is a membership, and that will, in theory, address 96% of their medical claims. Try it before you buy it for three months. Well, in addition, you know, the unfortunate thing for employers is not only do they have to carry a health insurance, if you're less than 50, you don't have to, it's optional, but that's 90% of businesses in the United States are less than 50 employees. So they're the ones that don't have to, but they're the ones that struggle the hardest for employees, and this is a great benefit to add to them. 
but the other thing that's really important is companies also have to carry work comp. And work comp is one of the most expensive and time off work are things that, you know, as most physicians, when you come in, my customer is not the business, it's the patient. And, you know, oftentimes you have the patient will say, hey, do you mind if I have three days off? I got family coming in. Sure, that's fine. Because the, the provider wants to do and help and it gives them a couple extra days. It's easy to justify. But for an employer, I got to find a replacement staff. I've now got claims history. I've got them. I've got to get them back. And the management of that just costs time and money. And so not only do we cover their regular health care, we cover all their work comp right along with it. So it's a double savings. So when you say you're providing workers comp, does that mean you're underwriting the workers comp or you're providing the medical service? Well, we're providing the care. So if, a, if you have a work-related injury, of course, we know the ERISA laws, we know the different reportable injuries, and our providers have all been trained of how do you sit here and manage something that's not reportable and, for example, you know, what a lot of providers don't understand is, well, okay, I'm going to give you ibuprofen over-the-counter, 800 milligrams. Well, the problem is, is that's a prescription dose, and that all of a sudden triggers instead of saying, we'll take two 400 milligrams. You know, unless a provider goes off and studies those kind of things and required to be involved, it, there's a disconnect between them and the employer and what we're trying to solve for. And so we require all of our providers to go through those. That's why we have case managers that go, hey, stop, we need to, this needs to be in a different bucket. And this is how we need to manage it. And then it just changes everybody's focus. And then you meet with the employers and say, here's what's happening on this case and this case and this case. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to this question of employer owned. Could you just tell me more about the value proposition for the employer of having ownership in a provider like Sterling? Well, you know, right now, I mean, all businesses, they're, they're usually entrepreneurial in spirit or they wouldn't have started that way. And, and when they sit here and they've grown a frustration of navigating the healthcare system, and there's this perception that they're making all this money and they're doing all this and it's all on their time, that's attractive. It's like, look, it's costing me employees, so I'm just going to go own my own clinic. And if I could just hire my own doctor, well, there's laws that prohibit it, like the corporate practice of medicine and some of these other things, and there's a lot of liability that you're going, okay, well, this, the value proposition is I am your partner. You get all those thing, same things without the headaches. I recruit them. It's our malpractice. It's this. Uh, you're putting a clinic in that is not necessarily your brand, but it's an offsite. So that's developed confidence for the companies because a lot of on-site clinics, if they says, all right, it's Lauer Foods Medical Clinic. There's really a disconnect for the employees because they think that their medical records are not secure because it's under the employee's handle and they don't want the employers to know. Versus having it say Sterling, well, yeah, there's a barrier. You're not going to see their records. HIPAA protects that. And so the value proposition is you get all you want. You get concierge service to help you with work comp, this. And you can own facilities. You can own operations. And, you know, today in this world right now, you know, we, we are being dated by a number of people to buy uh, that are wanting to buy us because we've taken a, a market share and you, you have all the employers and we get a, you know, we're able to go and directly contract with hospitals and other care facilities. But I think our highest right now is we get an 89% discount. Well, 
now those referrals, all of a sudden these employers are like, well, I would like to own my own clinic. How do I do it? Mm-hmm. Well, we allow them to invest in it. And, you know, we've been offered up to 10 to 14x multiples. So for them, it's as good as an investment as anything, but it's been the most beneficial thing they provided for their employees in growing internally within their companies. That is something I wanted to ask you about. A lot of larger employers are now opening their own, quote unquote, their own clinics that are for their employees and ostensibly part of their corporate structure. Sounds like they probably aren't, but the reason they're doing this, of course, is because they get better control of the employee health experience. They also get to control costs through primary care and referrals and such. And it sounds like what you're offering is a version of that that takes away a a lot of the headaches that are involved in, for instance, having employee medical records. Yeah, well, from the employee's perspective, absolutely. The, the other thing about our on-site is, you know, we have over, you know, two or 300 companies that are involved. The, the thing that we have to remember as a company is to remain flexible because every one of them uses it differently. Mm-hmm. And so it is a custom design of what they want. So if somebody wants an on-site clinic from just having a telemedicine portal versus my preference is we have a clinic out in Lowers Foods uh, that's in probably less than a thousand square feet, but it's a fully functioning urgent care with x-ray. It has everything in it. The, the differentiator between us and most on-site care is they handle first aid. Uh, they do some primary care, they'll do some testing, uh, and they're still billing insurance. So all it is is they've improved access. And whereas us, if you're not eliminating those claims and pulling that savings back into your company to reinvest into your workforce or growth, I, you know, that's the return. Okay, so this is another point that is worth emphasizing for the listeners, if you don't mind, Scott. What you're offering is an opportunity to prevent incidences from hitting the employer's medical plan at all. And the advantage of that is when it comes time to renew your insurance plan, if, you're, if you have more than 50 employees, you have to have an insurance plan. But when it comes time to renew that insurance plan, you look back over the history and there is no claims history because all of that was taken care of at Sterling or most of it was taken care of at Sterling. So there's very little claims history. And as a result, there is not much of an increase or any increase at all when it comes time to renew. Well, you know, most of our companies, what was shocking is you'd come into these companies that had five or 600 employees. And, you know, the reason we had to get involved in insurance is because every discussion we have focuses back around their plan and what it covers. And so you start asking them about their plan and they're like, well, I'm fully funded. So you pay, you know, 500 employees, you're paying, well, that's a pretty sizable amount. Do you get any of that money back at the end of the year if you saved? And do you get any utilization reports to tell you who's using it and on what? No. Well, that's why you need to migrate because being self-funded and making those transitions, it's still the same insurance plan but yet you're the one that's facilitating paying the bills on it. And, and the, I think a lot of agents and the industry itself has really sterilized people from thinking about being that, that there's, oh, there's so much risk. Mm-hmm. You still have the same risk. You're just gonna, you can't wait two weeks before renewal. You need to be engaged year round. Yeah, self-funding is so important. You, you mentioned, Scott, insurance and sterling offers memberships but it also offers insurance 
Can you talk a little bit about what the difference is? Well, in insurance, I mean, if if you have actual insurance product, you're you're bound to it contractually. Uh, the the contracts between you and the payer, and you have a broker, and you pay a premium, and they perform to the letter of the law on that. How does how does an insurance gauge the risk that they're going to take on you each year? Well, they have a number of things. They come in and ask for demographics and a census of your employees. They want to know how many women, what age they are. Are they in childbearing years? Are they in hormone years? Are they in this? How many kids? And they start putting multipliers to this to calculate the risk. And each year you age, and so does your staff. If they're if you're retaining them, your premium's naturally going to go up. And it's like kind of like a speeding ticket. When they look at it and you use it, they don't care what the claim is, is the fact that you triggered it. And that causes risk. And then also when they sit there and shop your insurance, they don't do it on what the insurance agreed to pay us as a provider. They do it off of what our retail price was. So that's another problem that if you're not shopping your providers and it doesn't matter to you, and you go and spend you know, 100000 here versus some other facility with same capabilities, that causes your premiums to go up. So they need to understand what drives the price of their premium. A membership is pretty simple and straightforward. It's easy to budget. I don't have to project. I don't have to guess. I have 50 employees and I'm charging them 50 bucks. And they can come in anytime. And next month, if we hired 10 more, I can add 10. And if I fired 10, I can decrease it by 10. And so their invoice is consistent. It doesn't change. We've not increased our rates since the day we started. It's the same price as it's always been. And, uh, you know, we know what our cost breakdowns are. We don't deal in monopoly money. Because with insurance, the thing is, is uh, I'm only allowed to have one fee schedule. And with that, how do you design that? Well, I'm going to say work comp is my best payer. So if I build a dollar, work comp is going to pay me 85 cents on the dollar. Blue Cross is going to pay me 50% on it. Medicare, Medicaid is going to pay me 30 cents. The money that they didn't pay, I have to contractually write off my book. So it's just monopoly money. A membership, I get 50 bucks. And I don't have to spend the time billing it. And I don't have to try and get it collected and appeal for 30 days or 90 days. It's right here. They know what it is. I don't get penalized for using it. It's probably the best wellness plan that a corporation can add. I love that you mentioned the wellness programs. It's always kind of floored me how much employers sometimes go overboard on their wellness programs. We have a wellness program and it's going to drive down the cost of our insurance and they're fully insured and it doesn't drive down the cost of their insurance because being fully insured means they're grouped with dozens or maybe hundreds of other companies. So if they have the world's healthiest employees, but all the other companies that are in their insurance group are not healthy, it's going to have no impact on them whatsoever. You know, there, there was an interesting situation because we had one large employer that had, you know, a fairly young workforce. And what was interesting about it is, you know, we negotiated some for labor and delivery with a big major facility and then also its competitor. At the big major facility, you know, it was 14500 bucks for a two-day, you know, two people staying there. And then at the 
at the other facility, likewise, it was 4,500 bucks with the same docs. And the employer's like, oh, this is fantastic. But all the employees thought, well, I got to go to the other one because it's better because mm-hmm. they charge more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how do you educate them? Because you just can't. And it's like, well, you know, the one thing is, is you know, in your employee handbook and if they qualify, instead of building it in your plan, why don't you just offer if you go to this and you qualify and you're not of high risk and you follow all these guidelines, uh, you'll get a year free uh, diapers from Amazon. All of a sudden, everybody went, bam, and they changed. And and so the problem with the whole insurance thing is it's only as good as the agents that sell it. And I want my employees to use it, and I, I want them to be healthy and not put off their health care. And so we pay these ridiculous, goofy wellness programs, but they never visit with a provider. They fill out a form, and it comes back and says, I'm at risk for heart disease. And then I go in and get a five-panel blood test. Uh, it costs me probably $10, but I can bill up to $900, and the employer still has to pay it. Mm-hmm. Well, instead, if I had a membership, it's like, we'll go down and get Serling and have a full-blown physical. And they come in and they get a physical, and when I'm in there and it says, well, Scott, your blood pressure is kind of high. Well, knowing that I don't have a copay or anything else and I've got unlimited visits, I can come back and you, you dispense some meds for $10. I'm probably going to manage my blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going and they, they develop a relationship with a provider, not the HR, not anybody else. It's separate. They're managing their health. And that's the best way to keep your workforce happy is that they have to have access. And right now, insurance doesn't give them access because of the premiums and the deductibles. Yeah, we've talked about that here on the podcast before about how a medical plan is not the same thing as medical care because you can have an employer-sponsored medical plan, but if it's got an $8,000 deductible, there is no medical care that's going to happen there because of the huge cost of the deductible and the copay. Just can't stress that enough, the difference between a medical plan and medical care. Well, Scott, I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I've got just a few more questions. First of all, the world has changed with COVID. How do you see things changing going forward? And I guess underlying that question is, how important to employers will employee medical benefits be? Well, it's going to be critical for companies to survive. Uh, Tell me why you think that. Well, because they're all looking for benefits and they can't afford to do it out of their net income when they take it home because most people live right to the tip of their budget. Uh, They're going to have to sacrifice one of the other amenities in their home to pay for health care. What's frustrating for me is that you hear people complain about the cost of health care. Well, mine's 50 bucks, but you can go down here to the car wash and pay a membership for 50 bucks and they'll do that all day long, but they won't buy a membership because they don't need it at the moment. So health care is when they need it. Uh, And if I don't need it and I'm healthy, I'm going to gamble and I won't get covered. So I think that if employers want to maintain and recruit and keep people, this has got to be a key strategy that they're going to have to do. And if I can save it from doing the traditional plans and turn around and the savings that I get back from not paying all these claims and the 15% increases and put it into a fund and say, why don't we get them a short-term disability? Why don't we buy each one of them a life insurance policy? All of a sudden, their benefit package becomes so much more robust, they're not going to be wandering around because it just won't be the same when they go elsewhere. And you know, that is such an interesting point. Uh, As somebody who 
didn't have insurance for a little while and is now on a catastrophic plan, I know that always in the back of my mind, there is this concern about, well, what happens if something bad happens? Our employees are wondering about insurance. This is in the back of their mind. It's keeping them from being fully present, fully enjoying life. And I think most employers want their employees to be fully present, to be happy, to be enjoying life. And when they're not, because they're worried about health insurance, they're not going to be as productive. They're not going to be as happy. They're not going to be as engaged. And the whole company is going to suffer. Yeah. and And I agree with that. I just know that, you know, we've set a new precedence. We've set a new standard. And you'll continue to decline from there that $50 is too expensive. And, and and so you have really kind of an unsatisfiable customer, but the, the secret and the difference, uh, much like payroll and stuff, is the things that keep people around is one, the way they're treated. So when they come in and they have a good experience with the providers and they're treated like they're number one, not that no other providers do this, but the system doesn't really navigate it. But they have a great experience. They can meet with Devon. They can meet with Sammy. They can meet with all these people. They're helping them schedule their tests. All these things, it's, it's going to be much more helpful, and they're fairly simple, but they're great investments. And I look at it as, well, I can go and allocate 3 to 10% of my uh, net revenue or my gross charges to marketing on Facebook or digital or something versus I'd rather invest in the people to give an experience there. I think the return, I'm spending the same money, and they're getting a better return and longer committed people because they, they like – our system, but they like our providers. They like everybody that's helping them. And, and that's what keeps them around. Yeah. Whether you have an on-site clinic that has your name on it or not, your employee benefits and the way your employees are treated when they use those benefits reflects directly on you as an employer. Absolutely. Now, there's one question I ask of all of my guests, and it really arises from my experience of talking to CEOs, CFOs, and business owners and finding out how much they hate dealing with or really even thinking about the problem with their employee medical benefit. So what is one thing a CEO, CFO, or business owner could do today to improve their benefit situation or maybe even just to change their relationship with this topic of employee medical benefits? Well, I think uh, anybody that's been in business for a long time, you know, it's it's been built around relationships. And there's nothing wrong with challenging those relationships. That I think each year, if I'm going to pay a premium to an agent, then I want them to perform and I need to define clearly, just like any other employee, what I expect. But also shop their business because they don't have the incentive to give me the best plan. When they understand they're being shopped, they're going to be a lot more aggressive to keep the business. And so I think that's one thing. Number two, as a company, I'm looking at my bottom line, whether you have investors or stock or, or returns on investment. Uh, you know, right now, today, as of 2016, Sterling has saved, and we just documented, I reported on it this week, $100 million in what insurance would have paid uh, or employers would have paid is what we've saved with our programs. That's a direct dollar-for-dollar return back to them. They can, You know, everybody looks at business and they go and they say, you know what, maybe we should do without staff, or I could save $5. Well, when you got low-hanging fruit there that, okay, I can get the same care if not better care, and 
I'm sorry, I'm going to have to challenge my relationship with my agent or I, I need to bring my agent in, see how a membership works and I need to make that migration. They're going to have to do it in order to have the tax savings. It's as fiscally responsible as any other line on their financial. It's usually their second highest cost and expense that they should be analyzing it as much as they do their revenue. And when you look at saving 5% just to renewal, how much would I have to grow the top end of my business to make that same five? I'd have to quadruple my employees to do it. And so this is an easy way to save money without and, and improve your employees' relationship with you and create longevity. So that's my deal with regards to healthcare is an easy way to fix it. Okay, a hundred million dollars in savings over what they would have paid for their insurance. And if you own a business and you're thinking about, hey, maybe I should move some of my function X to Mexico or to China, or maybe I should cut back my commuting benefit, or maybe we should stop having a cereal bar. Think about what happens if you're now saving hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars by reducing your employee medical benefit cost. It is your second or third largest expense. If I could make one more point, you know, you, you look at it and say, you know, the thing that's, that's interesting about it is with those savings, they can roll them from one year to the next as savings, they can reinvest it right back into their companies. And it's so much easier to save that by educating the, their agent because they still need insurance. They, they have to have some kind of catastrophic coverage. And to pair them together to where, you know, come renewal time, part of their deal on renewal is, all right, we had to file this many claims, and so our administrative fees automatically go up that we charge it. Well, if I'm not filing any claims, there's no administrative costs, and that's usually 5 to 7% of your premium. Well, we have a number of our groups that haven't had an annual increase in five years, and they didn't even change their plans because there's no bills and administrative overhead to sit and churn it. And it's like, it, it's simple, and their employees don't have to come in and show a bunch of documents and fill all this out. And, and, and so it's just easier for the employees and for the company. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you're in the HR office and you are tired of people coming in with an explanation of benefits saying, what, what is this? Realize what Scott's saying here. You could go a whole year without anybody showing up at your office door with an explanation of benefits because they won't have gotten one. Yeah, and, that, and with us, we know that they're busy and they've got their hands full. That's why we're offering, look, let us come out and do the enrollments as often as you need. We don't care when your agent comes. But for 96% of your churn, we'll come out and teach them when to go to the ER, when to come to us. And they also get telemedicine for free. So if they want to just jump online and talk to a provider, it doesn't cost them. They don't even have to leave the office. Wow, Scott, this has been a fascinating conversation. There's been a lot of really good, actionable information, some really thought-provoking questions. Do you have any final thoughts, suggestions, or requests for the listeners? Well, I think if, if you're a company out there, if you look that more than uh, 50% of the companies out there are moving towards employee health plans or um, employer clinics and on-site clinics. When you have Amazon, you have Warren Buffett, you have Walmart, all of them trying to get into it. We have the local grocery store right now that's contracted with some provider that while you're shopping for produce, you can see the provider. This is gonna be the wave of the future. 
And the way to position it is get with a group that's been doing it, that can help educate your agent, design a plan jointly as a team to, to, to tackle and accomplish what your strategic goal is. And, and so if they're not planning this, they haven't reached a pain point yet to where they feel like they need to. Eventually it will come and they're going to want to make that migration and you might as well make it sooner than later. Yeah, because you'll want to start saving money sooner rather than later. Scott, Sterling's impressive. I know it's growing rapidly. I think you've opened five clinics just in the past five, eight months since I got to know you. How can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you further? Well, my email is sbrown at sterlingm.net and my cell phone is 208-705-7747. They can call anytime and we'll connect you with our team and or myself. We'll come out and visit. All right, I'll be posting Scott's information as well as links to what we've talked about in this episode and a breakdown of the timing of the topics that we talked about in this episode at payerrevolution.com, which is also where you can contact me to ask questions that I can then ask other experts like Scott. Now, if you've enjoyed this conversation, if you are now thinking to yourself, wow, how can I get a hold of Sterling? How can I have a Sterling kind of experience? You know, this isn't available everywhere in the country, but there are providers, there are thinkers, there are people who are really taking action to help you lower the cost of your employee medical benefits. And if Sterling's not available, there is something going on in your market that is. And that's really what I would like to have you take away from this. Yes, here are some fabulous ideas. And here is a, a provider who's doing really remarkable and innovative things. This is happening across the country because it has to. And I'll be back in two weeks to interview another visionary business leader who will tell us things that I think will blow your mind about employee medical benefits. But until then, Viva la Revolución!